Now, the uh, astute ones amongst you will know that when we've publicised this, I've said that Dave Curtis is going to preach. And unfortunately, Dave was ill this week, and so all the time he'd have had to get ready was taken up on a sick bed, resting himself. And um, I want to tell you, I, I am immensely intimidated by David Curtis's Christmas message from a couple of years ago when he did a Christingle on a turnip. Was it a turnip? I was, I was confused it was a parsnip or whatever. But, and, and, you know, if ever you do... Well, I mean, you all do different things, didn't you, right? You've got different jobs and talents than you do. And, and we can all get stuck in trying to be, like, comparing ourselves to someone else. So I, I tried to figure out, could I do something as good as Dave did that other, that other year about parsnips or turnips? And I realised I couldn't. I realised I'm not Dave. So I'm not very funny, really, you know, and I just know how to preach a message. So I'm going to go for a, a classic Trevor message, but a much, much shorter one. And um, I was struck by this passage that David's just read, because I don't know about you, I've been to enough Christmas services that you hear them, and they're so familiar, they kind of, you kind of pass them by. And, and I was doing... Um, uh, a thing called Lectio 365, I don't know if anyone knows this, but there's an app you can get on your phone, I highly recommend it to you, if, especially if you haven't got, if you currently don't have a daily rhythm of spending time with God, Lectio 365 I think is a really great app you can get on your phone, um, and, uh, and then you've got like a guided Bible study kind of prayer time, it's about 10 minutes, and, uh, and so I was doing this recently actually, and they were working through the, the Christmas story, and it wasn't until they read this passage that Dave's just, just, just um read and when you stop and slow down and take it in like a piece of scripture not like a Christmas story but like a bit of the Bible like when you go and read a bit of the Bible I'm like this is actually not just a Christmas story it's a Bible verse it's a Bible story and what struck me as I slowed down was there were some things in it that I thought this isn't a message just for Christmas I mean obviously I'm preaching this here at the Christmas time but it's a message for 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 all time and what struck me was it um some things that happened to Mary happened to us. They're often you see people in the Bible and you see shadows of yourself. Not always the same, but you kind of see bits that ring true either for you or for people in general. And one of the things I saw in this story was the angel comes along and says, you are favoured. God's got a plan for you. You're special. And her reaction is fear. <laughs> I have that. I don't know about you. It's a common thing that, that sometimes we don't actually want to be the special one. I mean, in, inside we want to be special, but, but when God says, you're favoured, I've got a plan for you, we generally don't go yippee. We're generally like, is it someone else? Or could it be someone else? Or, you know, um, and this fear, we get scared about what God might have in store. And, and I was thinking about this in terms of what I would say tonight, and I just felt God saying, you know, that this wasn't just a word that's spoken over Mary. I mean, we reread characters in the Bible because they're kind of the big, memorable characters. And I don't think God's got a ministry for you to give birth to the Son of God. That was just for Mary. But it's not uncommon, and it shouldn't be uncommon, that we hear the whisper of God that says, you are special. You are favoured. The favour of God is on you. And I've got a plan for you. And I've got something I need you to do for me. I've got a special purpose for your life. You think about the general story of Mary was she carried Jesus in her womb. She carried the Son of God and she brought him into the world. 
And, and it's not uncommon that, to the mission that God has for all of us, which is that he's got a special ministry for us to carry the Son of God into the world. Not in the, not in the physical sense, but in that same way. And our reaction goes often the same way as Mary does. It goes with fear. And they're kind of like, you know, they're, they're almost wanting to step away and go, please pick someone else, God. But also reactions like Mary's one where she says, how will this be since I am? Now for her, it was how will this be since I'm a virgin? She looks and says, here's the promise that God says that I've got for you, Mary. And she says, how will this be since I am? It's all right. It's all right. We're a family. Like I said, we're not trying to perform to anyone. And you have to talk to John as well, right? I'll wear your battery down, Deb. How will this be since I am? And, and, you know, everybody's got a since I am. Everyone's got a since I am. For Mary, it was I can't possibly be, in, you know, doing what God is calling me to do. I can't, this cannot be true since I am a virgin. There's a blocker, there's an obstacle to God's promise coming true. And so often, we have a since I am. And it stands in the way of us receiving that God has something for us. You've all got it, I've got it, we've all got our since I am. And when you hear me say tonight that God is favouring you, and he has a special plan for you, and he's got a purpose for you, and he wants to use you to bring Jesus into the world around you'll already have a, that can't be me, because you'll have a since I am. And if you don't, if you accept it, then there's a fair chance that you're not dreaming as big as God is. Because when God really starts to show how much he wants to use us and how much he's got for us, we reach the limit of our belief and we step into God's belief for us. And so I suppose there's two challenges there, isn't there? One, you know, if I want to say to you, God has a special plan for you and a purpose for you, and you go, yeah, I know that, then dream bigger. If you accept it lightly and easily, you're probably not grasping what that really means, what God really has for you. And if you do feel that blocker, just step into the shoes of Mary. You know, it's a significant obstacle for Mary being a virgin, about to give birth, you know, it's a bit of a problem. It's an obvious problem with not an obvious solution if God's going to divinely intervene. And, and I, what I love about this story is it, it's just classic God. Because she says, how's this going to be, God, since I'm a virgin? And God answers her. And to be honest with you, when I read it, I'm not sure the answer would have left me any clearer than I was before I asked the question. Right, she's looking and going, okay, so you're saying I'm highly favoured and that I'm going to have a baby and that baby is going to be the son of God, but I'm a virgin. How's that going to happen? And God gives this wonderfully, sorry, I don't mean to sound disrespectful to God, but a rather useless answer really. Of like, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit will overcome you. And you're like, okay. And it's almost like God's saying, trust me. How's it going to happen, God? Because I'm going to make it happen. 
and we want the well how's it going to happen you know can you can you give me the plan and the details and how is it, how are we going to overcome this obstacle and this problem that I've got and this challenge and this thing that I'm not good at or whatever and god basically answers us in a way that is no greater helpful than by my power by the power of my spirit that's 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 the extent that god answers mary and and probably we could do a study of characters throughout the bible and, and God says the same thing. You know, people say, how am I going to know what to say? And he says, don't worry, I'll tell you what to say. You're like, no, what I meant was, can you give me the script now? And he's like, no, don't worry, just go. And God doesn't seem to be in the habit of answering all our questions to the extent that we want to. He answers it to the extent that he's happy with, which is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I always think about this, just not just for you, because I really do believe each and every one of you, and if you're watching online, I really believe, or every believer, this applies Mary had a special ministry, but everybody's got a special ministry. And God looks on every one of his followers and says, you are highly favoured. I've got something special for you. And we look and go, how can that be? And he says, by my power. But I also think about it for us as a church, the Oak Community Church. God has, and this is true of every church, just like it's true of every believer. God has a special purpose for the Oak Community Church. And when we start to step into dreaming that and hearing God's dream, we look and go, how can that be (laughs) since we are just? We look and go, you know, well, we've not got this and we've not got that or we haven't got this. And and God goes, because I'm going to do it by the power of my spirit. He gives the same answer. And so I was just mindful for us as individuals that we step into this story at Christmas for us, but also for us as a church. You know, whether you realise this or not, right now is a precarious time for almost every church, I would say in the world, but certainly in this country. Every church is going through what we're going through, which is like you just get back to normal and all the rules change and some people aren't there and you don't know who's there and you don't know what you're doing and you're a little bit frightened of being around people, but you want to be around people and and you've got out of the rhythm. And Every church is going through this kind of rediscovering. And God would say over every church, "I've I've planted you, I've got a plan for you. And as we go, tell me about it, God, and he explains it and he expands it, we start to shut down and we go, well, that can't be. Or we get frightened and we get worried and go, that must be the plan for the church down the road. And God says, I'm going to do it by the power of my spirit. And he not only kind of does that, God has two answers, doesn't he, in this story. He not only says, by the power of my spirit, the power of the the, the mighty one will overcome you and you'll become pregnant and no, no... biological description of how that happens it's just you know trust me but he also says look what i'm already doing that's why he points her to elizabeth i don't know if you realize at the beginning of david's passage it says in the sixth month and you kind of wonder the sixth month of what and it could be the sixth month of the year just like i was saying in june but it's more likely to be in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Because we just, in the story before that, it tells the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth and going to give birth to John the Baptist. And then it says, and in the sixth month. So it's like saying Elizabeth is pregnant. And then six months into her pregnancy, God speaks to Mary through the angel. And then when she says, how's this going to be? He says, by the power of my spirit. And then he says, your aunt, Elizabeth. And he points her to what he is already doing. And that's why I think it's really good for us to have times of thankfulness and, and looking backwards. Because so often the, the evidence of God's faithfulness and his ability to do things is in the past. 
either in your past or someone else's past. That's why the power of testimony is so amazing. Because when you hear a testimony from someone, you're like, wow, that's amazing what God does. It lifts our spirit. When we read the word of God and we go, look what God does, it lifts our spirit. When you read, you know, if you're, if you're a reader and you like to read like church history or biographies of people of God who have gone before, I'm, um, I'm on and off going through listening to um, the story of, of um, George Muller. And uh, I've got an audio book. And I've got to be honest with you, it's kind of boring in a good way, right? Because it's just basically, it's like his diary. And it's like every day he almost says the same thing in different ways. He goes through saying, we woke up this morning and we, we counted the money. He runs an orphanage, right, for, for children and trying to teach them about the word of God and feed them. And he's like, oh, we've got 27 children at the moment to feed and we've got two shillings. And we had a prayer time and said, God, would you provide? And then by the end of the day, someone come along and said, oh, here's a farthing or a, a crown or whatever. It's an old money, you know. And then we was able to buy some food. And it's like the next day that we woke up and we counted the money and we've only got a shilling left. And we're like, we've got to feed everyone. And so we prayed. And, and it's, it just goes on and on and on like that, really. And so I kind of, I have to dip out of it a while because I'm I get a bit bored, but I, but I come back to it because I just hear day after day, year after year, testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness. And when I listen to it, I'm like, wow, God is amazing. And so he does that with Elizabeth. He says, look, I know you don't know how this is going to happen, but go visit your aunt. She couldn't even have children in her old age and go see her. She's pregnant. Go see what I've done. And so our encouragement as well as we step into our story the story that God's writing in your life, the story that God's writing in the church, is life. It's to not only trust him by the power of the Spirit, but to look at what's happened already. And like I said, that might be in your life, it might be in the life of others. Be encouraged. That's why we gather. That's why we gather. That's why I encourage people to share testimonies. That's why it's great to hear from stories from around the world of what God's doing, because it lifts our spirit. And it helps us go, wow, God, if you could do that then, then maybe, maybe you could do now what you've promised and what you've said. And Mary, I mean, I think she is a bit of a good example in all honesty. There's other examples in the Bible where people aren't so great. But for Mary, that's kind of enough. Her response is, I am the servant of the Lord. It's quite amazing, really. I mean, no wonder, you know, she gets a lot of good credit, you know, because... You know, just through this, I mean, I know it's an angel visitation, right? So that's got to blow you away a bit, hasn't it, right? Like, wow, there's an angel here. and You know, but he just says, you know, by the power of the Spirit, and go visit your Aunt Elizabeth, she's pregnant. And she says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I think there's a little bit of that. You know that person in the Bible who says, help, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. So I hear a bit of that. It's almost like saying, I'm the servant of the Lord. Lord, I believe. Let it be according to your word. Help me in my unbelief. You know, it's kind of like, I'll accept it, but let it, let it come to pass. I mean, the great thing for Mary is, it would be fairly obvious within the next year whether God was doing what he said he was going to do. You know, right? So she's got that both that I think we all have, which is like, Lord, I believe. Lord, I'm your servant. If you're going to do what you're going to do, Lord, I'm laying my life down. And quite frankly, we don't have to. That's, that's the astounding thing, I think, about the walk of faith with God, is God often says, I've got a purpose for you, I've got a plan for you, you're favoured, you're special, I could do so much more through than you think I could. And we can actually walk away from it. We can actually go, I'm not, I'm not up for that, God. And I find that quite staggering, really, that God lets us get away with it. 
But when we step into it and say, Lord, I'm laying my life down. I'm the servant of the Lord. Lord, if you're going to do it, then you're going to do it, God. Let it, let it come to pass. When we do that, then what happens in us is what happened in Mary, which is conception begins. It's interesting. She didn't give birth the next day. What happened was a period of conception. You know, it's a natural thing. You, you know, we, we're kind of used to the idea of someone gets pregnant and then there's this period of time when the baby is growing and developing and then there's birth. And, but it's often the way that God works as well, that he starts something. And in Mary's case, he starts it in the secret place. I mean, we don't know. I don't know whether that, in that moment, maybe when the, when the angel spoke the word, that moment, the power of God overcame her and, and conception occurred. I don't know whether she was asleep one night, whether she had some miraculous kind of feeling of God's presence. No one describes the moment of conception, but a moment of conception occurred. Right? For Jesus to be born, a moment of conception occurred miraculously, not through a man, but through the power of God. And you know, the moment after that happened, Mary would have seen absolutely nothing. God knew he'd done it. He knew he'd started a chain reaction that begins at the moment of conception where cells start dividing and start forming and DNA starts doing its job and all that sort of stuff. But to her, absolutely no awareness that it's going on other than the promise of God. And it's, I just, what I love about this story is it's, it's so true. What might God be birthing in you even now and you don't even know it? Conception is occurring and life is starting to be developed. God has got a thing inside you, a ministry, a purpose, a plan. And to you, it feels absolutely no different than it did yesterday. And that's fine. Because God works in this secret place. And then change starts to occur. And again, I, I just wondered about that with the oak as well. But what, what has already God started to birth and conceive in the secret place that we're not even aware of yet? But he's doing his will. He's doing his way. You know, God is not done with you. God is not done with you. Doesn't matter what age you are. It often happens to us who are getting a bit older. We kind of feel like, you know, the best years have happened and whatever. But it can happen at any stage of life where we kind of think, I'm done. And God is not done with you. He's not done with the oak. So really clearly, right? Because, you know, let's be honest, let's, 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 we're family. There's not as many people here as you've had to another carol service in previous years, right? When we get together for church on Sunday, there's not as many people as others. It's easy for people to get that kind of sense of where's the OCAP by how many people are here. And it occurred to me recently, I know I've said this a number of times, that God has really dealt with me about numbers, but I'm not sure he's dealt with you about numbers. Because we all need to be comfortable with the fact that this is the church that God has planted me in. I remember a conversation we had at a leadership team meeting. This was years and years ago. And, um, and it was at a time in our church when you could not fit in. If you weren't early, you didn't get a seat. And I remember a conversation we had at a leadership team. which was like, we've got a bit of a problem. You know, people are going to start to leave the church because they can't sit down. And it, is, it can be a real problem in churches. If you get too full up, people are like, oh, blow this. I, you know, I just I don't feel like, you know, I'm welcome. And I remember saying at our leadership team, I'm like, I might have to stand at every single meeting. This is my church. And I'm not saying everyone should feel that way, but I know for me, I was like, fine, I might not get a seat. We might be so full up, but this is where God has called me to be. So 
fact that I can't get a seat doesn't change the fact that this is where God has called me to be. And I think the same is true where the church is empty. You go, it doesn't matter if three people turn up or if 30 people turn up or 300 turn up, where are you called me to, God? And so I just, you know, sometimes these things are unspoken things because people don't want to talk about it. I'm very comfortable talking about it. Churches are going through very weird times at the moment where they're like, who are we? Where are we? Who's part of the church? Where's it going? It's not uncommon. I speak to a lot of other church leaders. Lots of churches going through it. Some, some have like exploded and like, you think, wow, what happened? Their revival broke out during lockdown. But for most, they're like, where is people? What's going on? And it can be very unsettling, an unsettling time. And God would say, you're favoured. I've got a purpose and a ministry and I'm not done with you. I'm not done with the craze. These houses that we're going to go and sing to, we're just going to bring the light of Christmas to them, the light of Jesus through some carols. We're saying to them, we're not done with you. God's not finished. The hope of the world is still there for you. And so, you know, God does everything he's going to do through his power and through his grace. And... Um, you know, just look at, just, again, let me apply this in both ways. Just think about your life. Go read some Bible characters, people who are seriously messed up from messed up families or have real got lack of gifting and God used them. Moses couldn't speak and God sends him to go and speak to, to Pharaoh. You know, Joseph's got a rot, highly dysfunctional family and God used him to save the people of Israel. You know, he takes 12 disciples and one which is a dud, you know, so you've got 11 and he, he explodes through the world the message of the gospel. This is the story of, of the Bible. He, he, this, you know, Jesus said the kingdom is like a mustard seed. Or it's like leaven, this tiny bit of leaven that's in a dough and it makes the whole loaf grow. This is, this is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is taking insignificant people in insignificant numbers to do amazingly significant things so that he gets the glory. That is, that is what God does. That's the message of the Bible. And so it's great that we're insignificant, that we're no one special. Paul said about Corinthians, then he? he goes, look at you. It's, like, it's not like any of us are special or high or lofty or, you know, important people. But God takes the foolish to confound the wise. That's about it, I think. No turnip, sorry, mate. But, you know, we've got a special purpose. We've got a special purpose. And, you know... I love the, the Christmas stories help us to have these little hooks and memories. Um, and so, you know, Teresa's going to come and sing, Mary, Did You Know? You know, we, we think about that in a very natural sense. We go, wow, this young girl, I don't know, they think she might have been like 13, 14, 15, you know, young girl gets told that she's going to be pregnant, outside of marriage, all this stuff. Mary, Did You Know? And it's great for us to think about that for Mary, but I want you to think about it for yourself as well, that, you know, do we even know what God has in store? Do we even know what he can do?